step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purple Dinosaur Cast. Purple Dinosaur Podcast. Tyler Mine and Tony Masterson. Purple Dinosaur Cast, Purple Dinosaur Podcast, Tyler and Anthony Masterson. Welcome to the Purple Dinosaur Podcast with Anthony Masterson and Tyler Mon. Why can't it be Turquoise Polar Bear and why is it Purple Dinosaur? Hmm. Let's ask the lads. Enjoy the show. It's rare that we get to start an episode of Ye Old Purple Dinosaur Podcast on like a like a high note about something Colorado Rockies related, but uh, it's one fifty five p.m. on Wednesday, September eighth, twenty twenty one, in the Mountain Time Zone. Anyway, and uh, Larry Walker just became the first Rockies player uh, in the Baseball Hall of Fame. First guy to be wearing the the CR on his plaque. Uh, the first Canadian position player to be named to the Hall of Fame. And uh, and the Rockies are not yet losing to the San Francisco Giants, which they undoubtedly will be by the end of the day today. Uh, so we welcome you into this week's episode of the Purple Dinosaur Podcast. Hi, everybody. My name is Tyler Mon. I'm Anthony Masterson. Uh, it's It's been a while because uh, what's the point of doing this podcast anymore? Um, <laughs> what a fun day today. <laughs> fun day today, Larry yeah. Walker. I was very much expecting Donald Fear's speech to never end. Holy cow. (laughs) God, that was, uh, yeah, we, we started on such a high note. Uh, how awesome was Ted Ted Simmons Simmons, was amazing. Ted Simmons' speech was incredible. Uh, his voice was, was mellifluous. Uh, he, he delivered just these beautiful thoughts about his career and about the game of baseball and life and everything. And then Donald fear gets up and is like, if you'll turn to page 289 in your primers <laughs> today, we will be dissecting the organized labor movement in steel factories in the early part of the 1920s. Like, dude, <laughs> read the room, man. I get that you're, and Donald, if you're obviously there uh, giving the speech for Marvin Miller, who was inducted and in, in almost no one on the outside of Baseball's Hall of Fame looking in uh, was more deserving than somebody like Marvin Miller. But good Absolutely, God, Donald, yeah. you could tell he was like 60% of the way through that speech and people started getting so restless. And he, <laughs> you could actually see him flipping through his speech being like, all right, I guess I can skip. This. I can cut that. I, I can, can cut that. This. I can cut that. <laughs> he just like wrapped it up. Uh, so thankfully we didn't all fall asleep or die from boredom oh. with that. Um, but uh, pretty cool bit, day. A today. Bit. 
Yeah, I, just seeing Larry Walker there telling the hilarious stories that he did about cutting across the diamond, thinking he didn't have to retouch second base on yep. a on a fly ball hit and run. You know, just <laughs> going through the roll call of his family's names like he was. Uh, I think <laughs> I think Nate Crackman said this. His last name was Gergich, like Larry Gergich, Gary from Parks and Rec, Larry Gary Barry, <laughs> Carrie. Uh, yeah, that was, I, I tweeted afterwards that I, my favorite speech, I think, or my favorite moment from the speech was as people, and you know, that's a 98% Yankees tilted crowd there for the other guy who was inducted today. Um, but the like rolling laughter as people realized that Larry Walker was not lying (laughs) in naming off his family, his parents, Larry senior. So Larry and Mary and his brothers, Barry, Carrie and Gary. And he's Larry. And then he said the rhyming family. And he just continued on with the speech. And I think people realized, like, oh, my God. <laughs> as as if nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty As if it wasn't just the, the weirdest thing people had heard that day so far. It was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. You know, was that uh, one of his brothers wearing the, the Canadian flag yes, jacket? Yes, I believe that was. I believe that was uh, was one of his brothers. Uh, yeah, the Canadian flag suit. with uh, He had a Canadian uh, bandana on, too, I think. Um, and, yeah, you know, they yeah. found, like, a couple of Rockies fans here and there in the crowd, well, but Dick uh, Moffert was there. I saw him at the end. Yeah, yeah, Dick Moffert made the trip. They, they definitely showed Dick Moffert standing up and clapping, and did not show him at all throughout the speech, even when he was named. So, like, clearly, they didn't know that Dick Moffert was there. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they had any idea. And I think if you pulled, <laughs> if you pulled a hundred people at MLB Network, uh, what Dick Moffert looks like, I would bet ninety nine have no idea. So I can't imagine well, that there was anybody in the because, truck like, oh, yeah. there's that guy. <laughs> well, and at the end, when they did show him Sam clapping, it was just two Rockies fans, quote unquote, standing up and clapping. Right. One of them was clearly Dick Montfort. <laughs> um, he was, I like, did think he was, it was like halfway on the screen. Yeah. I did think it was interesting, and it was, you know, it was great. I mean, the speech was great. Like you said, you know, Walker telling the the story of when he was um, playing in Utica in one of his very earliest seasons. I think his first season in the minor leagues, and yeah, hit and run. He's at first base, ball gets it to right center, and he just cuts back across the infield to get back to first base, not realizing <laughs> you have to go back around like second. Like playing ball? Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, he said, you know, that's a story that I always tell kids because I feel like uh, it it goes to show that with hard work, you know, things can work out if you just keep working at it. Um, the humility for a guy. I know there's a, a lot of professional athletes who would not want to recount one of their most embarrassing moments when they're being inducted into the Hall of Fame. So I thought that was super cool. Of Larry Walker. I will say one thing that was very interesting to me is Larry Walker did not spend a lot of that speech uh, talking about the Rockies. It was a pretty brief yeah touching on his time with the Rockies. He spent a lot of time talking about, you know, growing up and his family and all that. But there was a lot more discussion about the Expos and what it meant, um, you know, to be able to represent his home country and to play on such a talented team. I thought it was a, a supreme baller move that he talked about what might have been in 1994 uh, with how loaded that Expos team was and, you know, a team that looked like a World Series favorite. And he did so on the same stage as Donald Fear and Bud Selig, the two men most singularly responsible, along with the, the owners of <laughs> Which, Major League Baseball, for the, the strike I, that I, year that, that canceled the World Series. I thought that was uh, interesting that both you know, Selig was on stage with Donald Fear there. I thought yeah. it was a, a nice little like recreation of a moment. Yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, it was kind of a strange dynamic. Um, And yeah, it's uh, it's funny now, like I see Donald Fear and in my mind, I still see him as I saw him when I was eight or nine years old. as just like, oh, that's one of the evil men who is robbing me of baseball. 
Um, and now you realize so many years later that like, it's an immensely complicated thing, what that work stoppage and the strike were all about. Um, not to say that he was not one of and the men who robbed us all of baseball and canceled the world series, but, uh, it's kind of funny. He seeing also did it a now. lot for the players too. Exactly. Yeah, I mean. That's the thing. Donald Fear was a, <laughs> yeah. a tremendously transformative leader, uh, and worked yeah. under the most tremendously transformative leader for the MLB players association and Marvin Miller. Um, but yeah, it was interesting seeing both of those guys up there and to have Larry Walker, not only talk about that 94 Expos team, but then say something along the lines of like for fans of Montreal, I hope you get a team back soon, uh, on the same stage as a commissioner who pretty much single-handedly moved that team, uh, out of Montreal to Washington, handed a team to Jeffrey Loria, uh, as like a weird compensation thing, um, who became one of the most despicable people in baseball. It was a very, um, you know, Larry Walker is not a controversial guy. I don't think he was trying to be controversial, but I think he was standing up for the things that he truly wanted to say. And I really admire that about him. Uh, but I will say he uh, he didn't spend a ton of time talking about the Rockies and I don't I don't particularly blame him. And it was yeah. kind of weird uh, to see him say, like, you know, I, I chose, um, you know, after leaving Montreal, I chose to join another great team in the Colorado Rockies. And it makes you reflect on like, oh, yeah, they really were the darlings of baseball at that time. And now it's Absolutely. just like, yeah. oh, now they're this franchise, you know, they're they're bringing in four million fans those first two years, you know, yeah. a game, basically. Yeah, <laughs> it, it seemed like. You know, so they're, you know, the 80,000 people a game in Mile High Stadium filling that thing every single outing. Like it, it was, it was the place to be in the mid 90s. And then 95, yeah. when he got there, they made the playoffs. Quickest team ever to do that in Major League history. You know, it was, yeah, it was, they were viewed differently then, I guess we much could say. Much differently. Much yeah. differently. And but I, uh, I was like, going back to your, your last point about, you know, when he was, you know, trying to not create conflict, obviously, but he's also saying, the the places where he played minor league ball from Utah, I think it was Utica to to Burlington, Iowa to Indianapolis and all these other places. Yeah, you had Jacksonville, West Palm Beach or whatever, all these small towns throughout America that with Rob Manford there on stage, who basically cut out all of those or on nearly all of those minor league cities and cut out minor league baseball from an entire region of the United States and the Rocky Mountain region for the most part. So I think, like I said, yeah, he wasn't trying to be controversial there at all but at the same time saying all those things in front of the commissioners who probably don't give two shits whatsoever um i thought it was still a pretty nice little dig there from lair it was uh, a very good speech um and congratulations so to larry walker one of our uh our, i mean my all-time favorite ball player and um you know a guy who just you you know that for Larry Walker, it means something different than it does for Derek Jeter, you know, um, and that's obviously taking nothing away from Derek Jeter, who is one of the game's all time greats. But for Larry Walker, that's a guy who the the road to get to Hall of Fame level for Larry Walker was so different. Um, you know, that's a guy like he said in his uh, in his speech today, he was given a fifteen hundred dollar signing bonus. Uh, 1500 American, which he said felt like he had hit the lottery uh, to sign with the Expos back in the 80s and pretty much like had no idea what he was doing. And his parents were like, yeah, just go for it. And uh, he ends up not only making it to the major leagues after being a guy who did not play baseball really in any sort of uh, exclusive sense until he was 16 years old. By 18, he was playing in the minors and by 22, he was in the big leagues. That's the most unbelievable thing about it, that he was that naturally talented, like God-given talent at so many sports. Of course, he wanted to play hockey. He wanted to be a goalie, you know, friends with Cam Neely, all that stuff didn't really work out. But to play maybe 15 baseball games in a summer 
until you're 16 and then like, oh, well, hockey's not working out. Might as well give baseball a try. And then to be that so good that you yeah. were playing minor league baseball a year and a half later, probably. It's just incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, the stories they were telling earlier in one of the, in the pregame show was that he got the Ivan Expo scout. He was playing in a metal bat tournament and he crushed a home run with a wood bat. Cause that's what he had. <laughs> and they were like, like huh. Larry Walker's stories, stories about Larry Walker as a young player are like stories about Bo Jackson. You know, like remember that 30 for 30 about Bo Jackson where people just described these like truly in the most literal sense of the word, just unbelievable things that he would do. Like, you know, throw a a football across an entire city park and the row of houses behind it. Like just these most incomprehensible physical feats. Larry Walker was very similar in that regard. And the funny thing is he, you know, and this is always the the bag on Larry Walker, the the running joke about Larry Walker, but it's kind of true. Larry Walker pretty much for the majority of his life thought that he was a better hockey player than he was a baseball yeah. player. <laughs> yeah. Even like to, to the end, he, he probably yeah. still thought that. Yeah. Uh, he was telling a story. I was watching uh, an interview that he did where he said, yeah, it was after he reported to uh, a juniors team. He had he had tried out for the team in, uh, I believe, the team in Regina a couple years in a row hadn't made it. So he ended up latching on with another juniors team. And he said he he traveled there, I believe, with his dad, um, walked into the rink, kind of looked around and thought, I don't think this is for me anymore. And that's when he decided to switch to baseball. And now he's in the baseball hall of fame. He's only the second Canadian player to ever reach the baseball hall of fame. Um, and, and pretty amazing. Well, I know we've done this before. I think we did it after he was actually elected. Um, but do you have a favorite Larry Walker memory? Of his time with the Rockies. And it really just anything, yeah. a guy who, uh, you know, was so if, if Larry Walker had played his entire career in Boston, he would have been viewed as um, a, a an icon across the game uh, in a way that playing out here, especially as this team descended into year after year of complete mediocrity and anonymity, it just didn't really happen that way. Um, but he, for those of us who got to watch him, he was still such an otherworldly talent. Like, is there a moment yeah. that you remember about him that sticks out? Boy. You know, it's funny. All the I was, remember ones. I like sure. the three Omer game in Montreal, um, you know, throwing out Tom Candiotti at first, which is, you know, it was not a Tom right. Candiotti thing. He did that with a lot no. of people. Um, <laughs> but they're all, they're all those legendary ones. You know, the first thing I think when I think of Larry Walker is Alan Roach and crazy train. You yeah. Know, what, I, don't, Larry I don't think you're Walker. alone in that. Yeah. And then. Dennett, Dennett, Dennett. And like the whole crowd going, I, 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 <laughs> um, which back in the day, it's so funny to me because I, you know, when Larry Walker joined the Rockies, I was nine. I didn't have any concept of who Ozzy Osbourne was. I just knew, oh, that's no, Larry Walker's no. song. You know, um, the same with, you know, Ellis Burks and Dante. Bichette. I didn't know what Sledgehammer was. Uh, the, yeah. All those songs would be the only one that when anybody came up to it that I recognized like, oh, I know that song. Well, Andre Scalaraga every once in a while would come up to the Pink Panther theme. And I was like, oh, well, that's a song that I know. But like the Matador song for Vinny Castell, I didn't know what any of those songs were. So yeah. Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne was literally just, oh, that's Larry Walker's song to me. Yeah, and it wasn't until um, the, I think the Chef Aid episode of South Park where they talked about biting the head off the bat that I was like, oh, yeah, that's the same guy, isn't it? <laughs> oh, man. I have this um, this one memory 
of Larry Walker. Uh, and it is from July 3rd of 2004. And it is a completely inconsequential memory uh, in a career in which he became arguably the greatest player in franchise history. Um, but it was a, a year in which I think I started, you know, being 18, I turned 19 that summer. You kind of start understanding things on a little bit deeper level than just when you were a kid and you liked a sport for a certain reason. And I think I started really getting just what greatness we had all watched for Larry Walker's 10 years at that point, nine years in Denver. Um, they were playing the Tigers and it was a, uh, a July 3rd game. Um, the Rockies were on the way to a 68 and 94 season that year. Um, Larry Walker, you know, as the years went on in Colorado, uh, the, the team got worse. Walker dealt with injuries, all that type of stuff. Um, 2004, he only played in 82 games and it was kind of the, the beginning of the end. Uh, he was traded of course, later that year, he only played 38 of those games with the Rockies. Um, and then he ended up finishing the season with the Cardinals. So it was one of the last times that I saw him play in person in a Rockies uniform. But I remember they were playing the Tigers. They're just a garbage baseball team. They've been a garbage baseball team for several years at that point. Uh, and I remember there was just a, a lazy fly out to right field that ended that game. And I remember standing, we were sitting uh, in the right field, that section right above the manual scoreboard in right field. Uh, and I remember just sitting there with my mom and I think my sister, we were there for the fireworks that night and just watching Larry Walker squeeze the final out uh, off the bat of Carlos Pena. Um, I don't remember that. I'm looking it up on baseball reference, but it just that the crowd that night was fantastic. Uh, and even though the Rockies were bad and people had really started turning away from them at that point, the crowd that night was 48,131. Uh, they were there for the fireworks. It was July 3rd. And I just remember feeling like we were all Rockies fans again for the first time. And I don't even know how long. And then, you know, it was four weeks, not even four weeks later that he was traded and he ended up retiring the next year, a year or two early since the Cardinals ended up winning the World Series in 06. And I wish he could have gotten that ring. But that memory always sticks out to me. Um, and just the feeling of knowing that you had watched greatness throughout the course of somebody's career and realizing that in a stage where you think to yourself, probably not going to see this for that much longer. Um, that that's a, one of those weird, random, small baseball moments that I'll carry with me forever. Yeah. And of course the walk-off home run and the turn ahead, the clock jerseys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> They're going to be giving away a, a bobblehead, um, yeah. which is probably the first ever turn ahead the clock bobblehead. Uh, they're going to be giving that away on the day in which they honor him at Coors Field coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be out of the country, I'm, unfortunately. I would love to go and love to get one of those bobbleheads. So if anybody Good. gets an extra one and you want it for me. Well, I'd rather the country. <laughs> I don't, being in the same country as you is even, is even tough sometimes. Wow. 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 That was unnecessary. We were on such a good roll of being <laughs> nice about someone, and then you had to go and ruin it. Well, I, you you were stuck in New York for so long. I thought you wouldn't come back. I was. And I, was I was. Yeah, that is true. I um I definitely started making cracks about the weather in New York, uh, and then it actually got really bad and kind of scary. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. eh, I probably shouldn't make any Dude. more jokes. I got stuck at uh, my sister and brother in place. Their basement got flooded. Um, you know, with where do they live? The water. Yeah. So they live in uh, Eastchester. So they're about a half hour, forty minutes uh, outside the city, kind of northeast-ish, I guess, of the city. Uh, but man, it was brutal. The next day, so we were originally supposed to leave on the day that storm hit, which was Wednesday. Earlier in that day, 
Our flight got canceled by Southwest. They rebooked us on a, a flight Thursday morning. Wake up Thursday morning. Flight's been delayed three hours. So we still left for the airport. We were supposed to leave at noon. I started requesting uh, a car from my sister's house at 8.15 in the morning. We did not get a car until 9.45. And oh. uh, it took us within, I would say, a half hour. We were like, there's no way we're going to make it to the airport. It's usually only about a 40-minute drive to the airport anyway. Um, and we had gone like maybe a mile because things were just closed. Cars were off the road everywhere. Highways were flooded. Um, for whatever reason, the geniuses who, uh, run the, the public works or the, the roads out there, they would put the road close sign, um, for like highways and stuff. They would put it on the on-ramp and not on the entrance to the on-ramp. So people would turn thinking they could get on the highway and they get halfway down the on-ramp and then there would be a road close sign. So then all these people are stuck then unable to do? back yeah. out. Exactly. So yeah. it took us, ordinarily it's like a 35 minute ish kind of drive between my sister's place outside the city to my aunt's apartment on the Upper East Side where my mom and I decided to stay uh, for what ended up being another two or three nights. It took us two hours and 45 minutes. And the dude who was our driver was just like an absolute saint. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was not super fun. If you're tuned in from anywhere, uh, you know, in the Southeast and Louisiana and Mississippi and Alabama, or if you're tuned in in the Northeast, uh, hopefully you've been safe. Uh, it has been a bizarre and rough couple of weeks, obviously, but um, you know, hopefully Larry Walker gave you a smile today. Yeah. I'll be heading to New York, uh, Friday for the well, old, uh, nine 11, uh, Memorial game on Saturday, the, uh, uh -huh. Yankees, Yankees, Mets, um, Yankees Mets. matchup, the subway series matchup. At City Field. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be there. If you watch the pregame show, you'll see a lot of, uh, very heart wrenching, uh, yeah, pieces by Tom Rinaldi and Tom Verducci. So, yeah. Um, yeah, man, 20 years. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to talk some, uh, some Rockies baseball things today. Not a whole lot, obviously, cause there's not really that much exciting to talk about with this team. The Rockies, <laughs> uh, go into play today, trying to avoid a sweep at the hands of the San Francisco giants. They um, won't lose a hundred. They won't yeah! lose a hundred. Yeah. That's exciting <laughs> stuff. The road after all that. Uh, yeah. falling by the wayside yet again, uh, due to their heroics, uh, at home this season, they are currently scoreless as the middle of the fourth inning, but yeah, the Rockies are 63 and 76. So the worst they can do this year is 99 losses. So for yet another year in franchise history, your my and our Colorado Rockies will avoid a hundred losses. Uh, the Staying Arizona Diamondbacks for comparison are almost at a hundred losses already. <laughs> the D-Mats are 45 yeah. and 94 right now. The Rockies aren't even the worst road team in baseball anymore. They the D-backs are, are the worst road team in baseball now. Yeah. The D-backs are 17 and 52 and the Rockies are 18 and 50. But the thing that is the most baffling is the D-backs are 17 and 52. You think, well, that team is just terrible and it tracks at home. They're 28 and 42. The Rockies are 45 and 26 at home and they are 18 and 50 on the road. Oh boy. I hate it so much. God. Like the Orioles. The Orioles are, you know, even, I guess, more consistent. They're 24 and 48 on the road. They're 20 and 45 at home. Like, it continues across the board. Uh, the Washington Nationals are, like, slightly better at home than they are on the road. They're 24 and 42 away from Washington, 33 and 39 uh, at home. I mean, but there's oh just God. nothing that compares. I guess the only team that even kind of is in that same 
wheelhouse. The Cubs are 38 and 33 at Wrigley this year, 26 and 43 on the road. But that's like semi-normal. You look at the Rockies, it's like, yeah. okay, none of this adds up. Ugh. So that's cool. It's fun. It's the same story. Is it, is, is it fun and cool? Is it fun and cool? I don't know. Fun and cool and great. And everybody loves it. We all love it, don't we, folks? Uh, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's, you know, right now they're going to get a back end of the top 10 pick or an early teens pick or something like that in the drafts. Uh, like even in their disaster years, they can't tank effectively. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, considering, you know, we all thought that it was going to be an easy hundred loss season coming to this year. I'm sure that, you know, normie Rockies Twitter is doing cartwheels. Because they're not going to lose 100 games. <laughs> and, and they were proven right. You know. Oh, boy. It is uh, it's really quite a franchise. Um, so I guess that brings us to our uh, our topic of discussion, our one topic of discussion um, for the Rockies this week, which is that uh, it appears as though the Rockies are just going to hand this job to Bill Schmidt. Um, yeah, which, which, which we've been surprising saying thing on Earth. since... Since the beginning, yeah, we have been saying um, we have heard from uh, from multiple sources and uh, from obviously media members now. Uh, our good buddy John Morosi tweeting last week, "Quote: Sources: Rockies still plan to do a GM search after the season, but ownership is pleased with Bill Schmidt's work as interim GM." and will give very serious consideration to keeping him in the role permanently. Okay, let's dissect that piece by piece. Uh, Rockies still plan to do a GM search after the season. Well, technically, they're required uh-huh. to. They're they're literally required to, and they were supposed so, to do it last time. Yeah. And, and they, they did not do and that. they suffered no issue. Uh, but, like, I don't really, and I'm not putting this on JP. JP is is very accurately pointing it out in a way that I think highlights that only with the Rockies would you have to make sure to explain that they're still planning to do a GM search. Like anybody else, a franchise, you just assume, like, well, they're going to go into the season, they're going to have this GM search. You have to, when you're a national writer, you have to point out, oh, the Rockies are, are weird, and this this was not a foregone conclusion that they would, you know, follow the rules by uh, undergoing a GM search. Um, so that's the first part. This is the money the money quote to me. Ownership is pleased with Bill Schmidt's work as interim GM. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure they are. I'm sure what, they are. Because what work has Bill Schmidt done? He hasn't done any. He the traded Michael, Michael Gibbons. Gibbons trade? <laughs> Which, who, by the way, has like a, has like a two... He's like a two eight for uh, the Reds right now in their bullpen. Yeah, pitching for a playoff contender. Uh, I'm very happy save last Michael Gibbons yeah. to get out of here. Yeah, uh, good for Michael Gibbons. Getting Ashton Godot back off of waivers. Uh, claiming Rio Ruiz off of waivers. Like what? What exactly has Bill Schmidt done? What work could you possibly be pleased with that Bill Schmidt has done? And that I think is the crux of the issue. I think the Rockies are pleased with the fact that Bill Schmidt hasn't done anything. They don't need him to do anything. They're still printing money. No. Yeah, exactly. And the beautiful part of this is that they have, quote unquote, I suppose, exceeded expectations this year because expectations were dumpsters. And so you've exceeded that. And so they're going to finish with like 70, 74 wins or something like that, right? Something something stupid and dumb. Yeah. If they get 74 wins or 70 whatever wins, they're going to be like, oh, you know what? We ended the season so well, played so well at home. We're just a couple of pieces away. And they won't do anything in the offseason. 
Yep, that is exactly right. And, uh, you know, it's exactly what we expected to happen. And yet still just kind of makes your brain melt with rage, yeah. you know? Still just kind of does. The the thing that amazes me most is like everybody's left that front office. If it doesn't work out with Bill Schmidt, I don't know who else you're going to hand the job to. There's like nobody left. Multiple assistant be, GMs yeah. left. Your director yeah. of player development left. Your analytics staff is gone. Uh, who else is going to – Bill Schmidt's going to be the last be, guy standing. No, it's Dick Monford putting on the, the, the Corbin Burnson thing and, t- and activating himself as GM. <laughs> Oh, it is. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. You know, it's uh, they're they're just gonna do the exact same thing as they did last time. Um, we saw a Normie Rockies post that said something along the lines of like, "Serious question: If it wasn't just that Bill Schmidt had been with the Rockies forever, is there a reason why people wouldn't want to hire him?" Um, the amount of things wrong with that line of logic, <sighs> I I can't really wrap my mind around um like it's like the it's the equivalent of saying like yeah sure this mechanic cuts your brakes every time you go in but aside from that does he really that bad like yeah. i think i think the the issue that you pointed out is a significant issue i don't i don't think you can really just <laughs> yeah. gloss over that one like sure this surgeon happens to kill every single one of his patients but other than that why wouldn't you go under the knife for him <laughs> but it gives you a customer discount right for being loyal yeah. yeah um yeah i don't really uh i don't really ascribe to that logic that there's uh there's something going on here with bill schmidt that we're just like you know we're all too dense to see um i just think it's you know they are they're very much embodying the concept of rearranging the deck chairs on the titanic like there's nothing else they don't bring anything new in. They don't. We have seen, oddly enough, uh, and I actually know somebody who is friends with a person who interviewed uh, for a, a research and development analytics kind of position with the Rockies. And we've seen like these posts that people have floated around on baseball Twitter, the Rockies, you know, hiring in their analytics department and, uh, you know, seemingly wanting to devote, uh, I won't say more resources, but any resources at all uh, to, any to resources analytics. at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't. Uh, as we said, when Jeff Breidich left, whatever happened with the GM position and whatever happened with uh, the hiring situation and how it was all conducted by the end of the season and into the offseason, that would be a make or break thing for a lot of fans. Um, and if the Rockies just give this job to Bill Schmidt, uh, as we have said many, many times, I don't really know what reasons anyone could possibly give for like, ah, you should stick with this franchise. Someday they're going to turn the corner. Today, poor Larry Walker had to stand up there on the stage and say to all the fans in Colorado, I hope you see a ticker tape parade rolling down Blake Street sometime <laughs> soon. Sure, uh, sure, I, buddy. <laughs> I, I posted on our Twitter account that he said it with all the same conviction as someone saying to a friend boarding the Titanic, quote, well, I hope it's a smooth trip. Like there's just God. Hope there are no icebergs. He just had no faith in what he was saying. Uh, And uh, yeah, it's, you know, uh, I don't know, man. When they hand it off to Mike Schmidt, to Mike Schmidt, to Bill, I'd I'd trust Mike Schmidt more than I trust Bill Schmidt. Um, Yeah, I just don't really know how to sell that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Steve Carlton deep, deep in his 
his oh. death wish bunker. Yeah. Oh, get Ted uh, Simmons. Oh my God. How is that guy not read, reading books on tape? I don't care what <laughs> Ted Simmons would do as a move. I would just listen to every single interview and every press conference he gave. But Ted Simmons has also worked in a bunch of front offices. Yeah. <laughs> he's also worked like for a bunch of great GMs, person. like an intelligent yeah. baseball person. So it means he's already priced himself out of the Rockies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so it's like, all yeah, great. There's, you know, there's no reason why you if for if you are a healthy business practice why you would not want to go and try to figure out why your team has failed for so long i think the problem why, with that is well, the premise of it for so long. Yes. if you're a they don't healthy they're business failing. practice yeah <laughs> they just don't care yeah they don't well, believe that they're well, failing well, no they don't believe they're failing because they're they're making money hand over fist they don't care if the rockies win or not that is the thing right now because they're making so much money uh, you know you can make all the money you want and you know but if if you're, you know, it's not a big reason why you run a baseball team is to see the team win. If you're making the money anyway, then who cares? You know, Dick Moffat could say he wants a team to win and wants to put a winning team on the field and blah, 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 but prove it. He's, <laughs> like, there's, what are we going to do in free agency this year for the Rockies? Is it going to be, is Trevor Story leaving? Is John Gray leaving? Are they going to sign anybody? Like, right, right. Like, what are they going to spend money on? Yeah. And when, when have they spent money in the past and it's behooved them as a franchise? Yeah, nah, that's a good question. Yeah. Oh, but but Bill Schmidt's gonna know. Bill Schmidt's worked in scouting it out. for his entire life. Yeah, Bill Schmidt has no idea about contracts and roster construction and all that. He just knows scouting, which is fine. He's a decent scout. Clearly, he's been with the team for a long time. Like they've had yeah. pretty, they've had pretty decent drafts. And that's fine. Like that's a that's a good yeah. person to have in that role. Yeah. Yeah. Like I it's like okay the last few right at the same time. I love Zach Veen. Yeah. I love Benny Montgomery. Those are good. He's a good person yeah. to have in the job that he has uh, occupied for the last 20 years. But how yes. do you think that a guy can jump from amateur scouting to running a major league front office as the general manager while putting, you know, a, a former college football player in as your team president who's in charge of all of your luxury real estate developments? I don't really see how anybody is going to buy that as, oh, these are serious baseball moves. No, they're not. It it is they nothing with you know, this franchise is a serious baseball move anymore. No, the the Colorado Rockies are just an asset. They they are a a folder for right. Dick Montfort now. Right. It, that's all it is. It it it's it's collecting you know a business. It's not yep. trying to make this team win and win a National League West title, no. make the playoffs. Because they're he's going to print money anyway. They're going to get people in the stands anyway. It's it's not going to matter. Now they're coming off having the All Star game there as well, an added bonus. It. it it's it's a tab in a folder now for Dick Montfort. It's to the Rockies are. Showing the Larry Walker so anyway, videos. Larry like Walker. <laughs> him him yeah. walking off the the field and three fans in the stands holding the MVP signs up, the the individual letters and like you know a packed Coors Field and thinking about what I'm I'm honestly sad for PDP listeners who were not old enough to experience the the mid 90s, the early and mid 90s, because it'll never be that good again. Um, with how fans were into it, um, how this city and this region embraced this franchise. Uh, you know, we always talk about the go Rockies chance from each side of Coors field back and forth. Uh, you know, players having their own chance. Uh, it was as good of a, a Broncos game atmosphere as you have ever been to in your entire life. Imagine that 81 times a year. And that's what the Rockies used to be. Oh man. Yeah. And then the the Montford family took over, um, you know, majority ownership, and this thing has been turned into, uh, yeah, a a a business asset 
uh, for people who enjoy making money and and don't really care about an on-field product. And, you know, as we said several years ago, when Jeff Breidich was hired as GM and Dick Monfort essentially said at that time, I'm going to step out and I'm going to let my baseball people make baseball decisions. The Rockies got good. The Rockies had very good prospects coming up. The Rockies made some shrewd moves trade-wise, certainly not free agency-wise, and they were a good franchise. And then it seemed as the uh, interest in the Rockies grew and as the Rockies had more success, Dick Monfort seemed to want to uh, put his hand on the scale again, and he wanted to be more of the focus. And uh, it obviously turned into an untenable situation for uh, a GM who began to fail miserably at his job, uh, uh, fractured a relationship with the arguably greatest or second greatest player in franchise history, traded him away for essentially nothing. Um, well, I mean, they won the trade, obviously. But aside yeah, from that, clearly, clearly uh, they won the trade because Austin ran, off, ran off six good starts in June of this year or something right, like that. Right, right. Um, Dick Moffert, you know, squeezed out the majority of the analytics staff, uh, by the, the front office culture, um, multiple assistant GMs left the director of player development left the director of social media left. Um, there is nothing that suggests that that franchise is a healthy place to work. And, um, now they are just rather than taking a look in the mirror and thinking like, obviously these are indicators of a negative culture around here. Rather than that, Dick Monfort is just turning to the next person down the hallway and saying, why don't you do it? And that's where they are right now. Yep. That's where they have been for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost worse to be a team that is like the Rockies right now being 63 and 76 is so much worse than if the Rockies were 45 and 94, like the D-backs, because at least that like the public anger and embarrassment over being that bad maybe would force something to change but as I we mean, have did, said did you throughout, see the, <laughs> the picture today of the of, the, of yes. chase field five there were like first 10 pitch. people there you, you uh, could literally count the people evan grant Ugh. one of the rangers beat writers said they literally just made an announcement that fans are only allowed to seat and to sit in their ticketed seats and there were like That's 10 amazing. people in the stands um amazing. the the rockies being just an abomination on the field this year probably would have been something that better served the future because the only thing that seems to have gotten any sort of rise out of Dick Monfort was being pilloried said that how you say that word uh, in the media nationally when the Nolan deal went down and when the brightest stuff went down Um, since then this team has played exceedingly well at home and this dude can just go back to not caring. This dude could just go yeah. back to trying to figure out like what other tenants can fill McGregor Square. Yeah. Cause there's not a lot of them right now. There's a lot of empty space in McGregor Square right now. <laughs> if you were there for the, yeah. the All-Star, for the All-Star game. game. Yeah. 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 There's a lot um, of empty space there. So, you know, it uh it was a fun day to celebrate Larry Walker. But if you're, you know, like a 23-year-old Rockies fan, my sincerest apologies that you missed out on the good times. And that's not like us acting as though we are boomers and things were always better when we were young. <laughs> but literally, you'll just never – and it's not all the Rockies' fault. I mean, it's it's shifting socioeconomic factors and the fact that Denver is such a, a transplant-heavy place. And, you know, Nick Groke actually put this really well one time. Nick said um, something along the lines of the Rockies do not create fan traditions and that's how baseball fans are created baseball fans are created by oh my dad was a you know mariners fan and so i'm a mariners fan the rockies don't do that uh and that i think hits at 
the heart of the issue for them that they have not created a culture that sustains a fandom at all. They have created a social event that everybody who just moved here uh, can, you know, sit up in the rooftop and grab a beer and all of the stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. Um, it got away from that briefly in 17 and 18 and you saw how fans responded, but then you have an owner who wants the story to be about him and blows up the dynamic of anything that was functioning in the front office and in the clubhouse. And now here we are. Yeah. What are your fan traditions for the Rockies? You can pass down from generation to generation. I mean, really something that you can be like, yeah, I did that when I was a kid. Now you can do that when you're a kid. Right. Kind of thing. Right. I, There's I, nothing. I'm trying to think of one besides nothing. like go to the bars before the game and pregame. Yeah. <laughs> there isn't anything like S when we the, were sitting in the rock pile, maybe yeah. like, I don't, you know, buy tickets when that we day kids, in the rock pile. And you went and the, the, the chants were going and people were showing, you know, there were lines around the block two hours before first pitch, before the gates were even open. Um, and you know, the giveaways were cool and they had fun teams to watch. Like this team has been fun in a weird, bizarro baseball way, but not really fun in a way of like, like the Blake street bombers you looked at and thought like, that's our team. Those are our guys. I don't think anybody really is as great as he has been this year. I don't think CJ Crone really inspires the same level of like ownership for a fan that that era of teams did. And a part of it is just the love affair of the fact that they were new and Denver had waited so long to get a team and all of that. Um, but even when the Rockies are fun now, they're fun with a mostly anonymous cast. Um, and that just like, that doesn't really do it for people. Like, I don't think that many people are showing up to the ballpark every day to see Elias Diaz, who has been great this year, but like, yeah, is he really excited? Same. Yeah. yeah. Same with CJ Crone. Um, you know, when they were like trotting Matt Adams out there beginning of the year, even like, God bless him the last year, like, like Tony Walters, like, is anybody yeah. really that excited about any of these dudes? Um, and so it just, it's just different. And again, it's not like old man shaking fist at cloud. It's just so much has changed. And I don't think we'll ever see that again. Uh, certainly not under this ownership group. If there was that, a some the type of ownership yeah. change, this is a, and I've talked to so many people around baseball who have always said this to me, that Denver is a juggernaut waiting to happen as a baseball market. And it's waiting to happen because it's already happened in the past. It is, it's a sleeping giant right now. Um, you just well, don't have <laughs> an owner who wants to capitalize on that. It's, it's not in the right hands. That's what right. it comes down to. Yeah, right. It can be, you know, there's a certain amount of luck that comes down to it. We were talking about this yesterday at work where there's, you know, being a Hall of Famer or whatever, talent obviously comes into play, but there's a certain amount of luck that also comes into play when it, yeah. when it comes to being a Hall of Famer. Would Derek Jeter have been in the Hall of Fame if he would have played for the Pirates? Exactly. Would Patrick, exactly. Would Patrick Mahomes be who he is if he didn't go to the Chiefs with Andy right. Reid and sit behind Alex Smith for a year? If he went to right. Jacksonville, would he be Patrick Mahomes now? Probably not. Right. Not say they're not talented, right? but there's a certain but your amount of luck that comes into play as well. A lot. Circumstances dictate a lot. Right. And the Rockies can can be a, a sleeping giant. They can be a juggernaut waiting to happen. They can be all these things, but if they're in the hands of someone who doesn't do it well and doesn't know how to exploit that, then they're just going to stick where they are and where they have been for the last, you know, 25 years, just always on the outside looking in. And the sad thing is, you know, in a, in a very, not to get too, um, you know, uh, socially issue, um, centric or politically centric or economically centric, but like, this is a very American thing in that it's just a, a guy who inherited his money, who is going to dynastically pass this down to his kids 
who have also inherited their money and will also inherit this franchise and they will probably pass it down to that. Like we're stuck with the Montfords yeah. forever. Yes. So that's fun. So anyway, <laughs> eat Red Robin. Judy, I tweeted yesterday about, uh, you know, Trevor Story hit a home run. I said, like, well, we're probably getting down to the last ones of this we're going to see in a in a Rockies uniform for Trevor Story. And our, our good pal Judy at Judgy Judes um, responded and said, oh, well, this just made me very depressed. And I quote tweeted it and said, oh, well, this just made me very depressed. Me, a Rockies fan in every year for the last two decades. Uh, every single year. Yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah, that's that's where they are. But congratulations to Larry Walker. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> Great for Larry Walker anyway. One thing that we have not done for quite some time is ask PDPs. And I think we should yeah. do that. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. It's coming up on this week's episode of the Purple Dinosaur Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey. Hey. I got a question. Do you have questions? I have an answer for you. Go get your questions asked to Purple. Snodgrass, the the gentleman who provides the greatest sound in all of Colorado Rockies podcast. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, John. Thanks, John. <laughs> um, let's do it. Let's dive in. We actually solicited some Ask PDP questions for last month's episode. Uh, you pointed out as we went to our break that I said this week's episode as though we still do <laughs> weekly podcasts. We solicited some Ask PDPs last month, and then we didn't get to them when we did that episode. Um, so we've got a lot. To choose sure from do. on this week's episode of the show uh, that talks all things Colorado Rockies for some reason, um, yeah. and let's let's kick it off. I'm going to grab one from last month, uh, yeah. even though it's a little outdated now because he's hurt. But Ben Ravencroft at Ben with two N's Ravencroft asks, ben. "Quote: How soon does Connor Joe get a statue outside Coors Field?" <laughs> I mean, he kind of is the player as it stands right now. <laughs> Actually, well, he's technically, like a generic he's a he's, MLB the yeah. show created guy who's really good. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, hopefully he gets you know back healthy again. I saw he had the the PRP injection in his hamstring now. Yeah. Which again, like like PRP, like that's no joke, man. Yeah. And for considering what he's gone through health wise to get back to where he was, yeah. God bless him. 
Yeah. Hope he comes back quickly. Um, Connor Joe is really one of the Rockies' shrewdest acquisitions um, in recent years, and it's probably just like luck. You know, uh, <laughs> like I really I like it about Connor Joe and I like it about the Rockies, but they really just like threw out a minor league contract at a guy and he became an above replacement level player. Yeah. And it uh, hit no pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's great. Like it's great for him and it's great for them. I, I don't unfortunately think that Connor Joe is like a, uh, a guy who's going to sustain this throughout the majority of his career. No, but, and he's uh, not a guy you, you bring back to be a starting job next year yeah. or something like that. And that's necessarily, yeah. um, you know, he's, he's 29 years old. Um, he had played eight major league games prior to the season and he's been a very good player this season. And that's been very fun to watch, but like Connor Joe, isn't really somebody that you build around to say the least. Uh, and it's just sort of sad that like him around. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Totally. You can keep him around. He can play a role, but he can't be somebody who's like a centerpiece going forward. You can't pencil him in as like, all right, here's our opening day left fielder next year. Um, and it's, and it's pretty sad and very fitting, uh, that the Rockies, you know, have gone out over the last half decade and thrown hundreds of millions of dollars at free agents like Ian Desmond, uh, and they have gotten virtually zero production out of those guys, Daniel Murphy as well. Um, but they go out and they get guys on minor league deals like Mark Reynolds and CJ Crone and Connor Joe. And those guys are very effective players. And honestly, like that, I think speaks to something good in the franchise, like to be able to identify talent that you can pick up uh, cheaply and incorporate on your major league roster and have be effective additions to the major league club. That's an asset. That is a very good thing to have. That is what good franchises do. The problem is the Rockies can't do any of the other things that good franchises do. You look at like the San Francisco giants right now. That's like a team comprised of guys who are just cast offs with the exception of like a right. handful of yeah. Buster Posey's and your Brandon Crawford's and but those guys Ryan's are old. Most. Those guys are 35. Right. You know? <laughs> and so that's the amazing thing is like, you look at, you know, the, the giants this year have a dude who has become a, a conversation piece across baseball because of what he's been able to add to that franchise. He is now hitting in the league off spot uh, and is a very unorthodox and very good player who was playing in Korea for the last few seasons. Well, I came back last year, technically, but Brandon Ruff, or Brandon Ruff, Darren Ruff was yeah. in Korea with the Samsung Lions from 2017 through 2019 because he could never stick in the big leagues with the Phillies. He came up in the Phillies organization, couldn't stick, went to Korea, got it figured out, comes back over here, and he is a stud now. Darren Ruff this season has a 950 OPS playing in San Francisco. Like, they, they have added these guys who you have to have if you are going to turn yourself into – what they have become this year. Lamont Wade, another perfect example. Lamont yeah, Wade yeah. had an OPS of 626 last season and 723 the year before. Now, albeit combined, it was only in 42 games. But this year, 87 games he's played for the Giants. He's OPSing 848. Uh, and he's, you know, he's got some positional versatility and depth. Um, you have to be able to find those guys if you are a franchise looking for the extra element. The problem is the Rockies have whiffed so badly on free agency. They've whiffed badly uh, in developing certain positional areas, especially first base um, catcher, you know, throughout franchise history. Um, that's where they sit right now. So I think people like Connor Joe and CJ Crone, they speak to something good in the organization. 
The problem is it's one good element and you have a lot of other elements that are failing you. Yeah, like, hey, like scouting director, you know, a guy who can look at someone like a Connor Joe and be like, oh, he could fit. He could help my team. Right. <laughs> you know, we don't have to pay him a lot of money, but that's you're trying to find guys who can help your team. Like even for the Giants, like Kevin Gossman, Alex Wood, Anthony DeSclafani, they're all basically on one year deals. Yeah. And then they got Logan Webb, who has been amazing. This, so, you know, it's. Boy. <sighs> yeah. So, but uh, so along those lines, next question from our proud Will at Will underscore E underscore seven seven seven. If you have to pick one, ruining the Giants' season slash helping LA and San Diego, ruining LA's season helping San Diego and San Francisco, or ruining the Padres' season and helping LA and San Francisco. Oh man, because they're all like equally annoying to Rockies fans. I think in the interest of um, maintaining the historical status quo, I think you got to ruin the Padres season. And especially totally. with, yep. with how cocky and arrogant that fan base and that franchise were coming into this year. Um, it feels a little more like you're restoring the order when the giants and the Dodgers are good. And like the pot, like the Padres right now, the Padres are only nine and a half games better than the Rockies, 10 and a half games better than the Rockies. Um, and coming they're into closer to the Rockies thought, like, than they are to the Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and coming into this year, we thought like, oh, that team, that team could win a hundred games. They're seventy three and sixty five. Like that's a very yeah, they, middle of the road team. Yeah, they could win eighty five games. Could. Yeah, know? yeah, and like and you know, that'd be okay. And um, the amount of ink that has been spilled about an eighty five win team. I mean, my yeah, God, it is really incredible. Um, so yeah, I think the in the interest of just keeping the sanity of uh the division just ruin the padre season plus it'd be fun to see the reds get in i kind of like i kind of like watching that team yeah yeah i mean the reds or phillies or you know it is kind of insane how the two the two best records in the national league are in the nl west the giants right now at 89 and 50 as of this recording 88 and 51 for the dodgers the next best team is the brewers who are 85 and 55 uh, the Padres actually right now would be a half game back in the NL East and they are, uh, 15 and a half back in the NL West, but yeah. the Dodgers are 14 and a half up on the next wildcard team. And that's the thing that's so crazy about this wildcard era is the Dodgers or giants. And I don't want to take credit for this because I saw somebody post this on Twitter the other day, but the Dodgers or giants could win a hundred games this year go into a one game wild card playoff against the Padres or the Reds or the Phillies or the Mets or the yeah. Cardinals or whoever and be done in three hours. You yeah. Know? And, and like, they could get Zach, they get Zach Wheeler. Yeah. Or they get Bla- or Blake Snell who kills them, you know? Yeah. It's going to be very, very easily be that. Yeah. Be very interesting. Um, yeah. So it's, That's what uh, they, it's so important for them to win for either team really to win the NL West. Yeah, definitely. That is definitely true. Um, and you know, it's when you're a Rockies fan, it's, it's weird to say that you're cheering for either of those teams, but like the Dodgers, they have no excuse to not be leading this division right now. The giants have no excuse to be leading this division. Like the giants don't make no. any sense, which is why they're kind no. of fun. You know, like, yeah, yeah. The fact that they are getting massive contributions from all of these guys across the board. Uh, if they were not the San Francisco Giants, if this was the Seattle Mariners doing this, Rockies fans would be overjoyed that the AL well, they kind of are this yeah. type of success, which they kind of are. Um, not to the same level, but they they kind of are. The M's right now are only three games back uh, in that wild card race. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think that would be my choice. Is, is yeah, the, the, the old, 
It's funny, the only teams in the National League with worse odds than the Giants coming into this season were the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, and the Pirates. That's it. <laughs> like People expected nothing from them this year, and they have not had a bad month. They've had at least, they've won at least 60% of their games every single month this year. The last team to do that was the 2001 Mariners. Wow. Yeah. That is... Uh, that, the 116-win team. That is insane. Um, I'm also like a little sad that I didn't just like throw some money down on the Giants at the beginning of this year, but I also don't really uh, know how to gamble. I, I definitely did in June when, ah. when they were 35 to one to win the pennant. <laughs> That's pretty smart. So we'll see. <laughs> so now you're, now you're pulling for the Giants. Um, it also is, is ruining, um, I'm, I'm sad to see a Gabe Kapler redemption arc. I'm like a little sad about that. Like it was, it was very funny. The Gabe Kapler Philadelphia marriage was hilarious and how poorly it went was even funnier. But now like seeing that redemption story, nah, nah, it's not, that's not as fun to me. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> um, okay. Continuing along on, uh, this, uh, this ass PDP edition, um, from, uh, who do I want to grab next? Ah, Ooh, here's yeah, a good one. Here's a good one that I feel like we kind of touched on, but we can do a deep dive into. From our good buddy at Rory Roth, quote, given Nolan's offensive, quote, regression, unquote, this year, and the Cardinals being on the hook for the rest of his contract, the surprising season of Austin Gomber before his injury, and Elaris Montero being a top five prospect, does this trade at least look a little less disastrous? Now, Rory being a very pragmatic question asker does not say, has the trade been won? But does it look a little less disastrous at this point looking back on it? And this trade, I don't know if you uh, all know, yeah, I mean, this was the trade in which yeah. the Rockets sent Nolan Arenado to the same Louis Cardinals. Not Ooh. sure. I, um, I want him to opt out. So Me too, much. so badly. But at the same time, you're, who so walks bad. away from that that kind of money? You know, right, like that like right. is coming to him. And no one has had a totally decent season. He's gonna hit 30 home runs. He'll drive in 100. His OPS plus is pretty much near where his uh, marks were throughout his career. It's 122 right now. That's his career mark is 121. So he's had a pretty decent year, uh, even if the overall slash line is a little bit down from his time at Coors. That you know was to be expected. Um, <sighs> no, it doesn't make it look any better because it was so stupid the way everything about this entire situation went down in the first place. The, the opt out that was put in there by a front office, which is something that never, ever happens. Um, the immediate, uh, angering of their franchise player by the, uh, by the front office, simply by not coming through on a promise that was made to try to win to to try to win every year to try to put a product on the field that was that had the ability to win the NL West every single season when you saw a season that went so poorly as 2019 did and then say nope these guys just have to play better uh, it's going to be the same guys on the field next year hope hope you all figured it out so no i don't think it makes it look any better because the whole thing was so stupid to begin with that it, that no matter what happens, it was still dumb. The fact that it happened the way that it did. Also, are you going to tell people that he housed Dylan's burger? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was Rory's follow-up. Give me that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I never learned how to order the food that I want. Um, 
Yeah, I, you know, I don't think Montero is, um, you know, you already got your third baseman of the future right now in Ryan McMahon, unless they screw that up, which undoubtedly they will, because that's how this franchise operates. But like Montero's a fine prospect. He'll probably be a fine replacement level major league third baseman, whatever. That's fine. Um, Austin Gombert. Okay, sure. Whatever. Um, I think the only way that you can look at this and think like, well, it's not as bad as as maybe we initially feared is the fact that the Cardinals are just so mediocre. And that I do find very funny. Um, like the Cardinals, the Cardinals are 69 and 68. Um, and the Nolan trade and Nolan himself, like when he gave that strange quote earlier this year about how, like, uh, you get into spring training with the Cardinals and they teach you how to run the bases. They teach you that you gotta, you gotta make sure to touch all the bases. It's like, dude, what, what are you talking? That was something that you needed to learn in major league spring training. Um, the like weird, the, and maybe it was, it was overly, um, we were overly saturated with it here because we were the ones who were on the the bad end of that deal. But it seemed like if there was any team that as much ink was spilled on over this offseason as the San Diego Padres, it was the St. Louis Cardinals because of that trade. Like the fact that the Cardinals are this mediocre is objectively hilarious to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, like I mean, you know. Listen to your thoughts on Nolan and like wanting him to go off and be successful and whatever. To me, like Nolan now is the St. Louis Cardinals third baseman and watching the St. Louis Cardinals after being hyped until we were all ready to vomit over the offseason, watching them be one game over 500 uh, is objectively hilarious. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I know that we're all supposed to be cheering for Nolan and blah, blah, blah. But like, it's so funny to me. So I'm, I'm no, the okay best, yeah, the best case scenario is Nolan having a decent year and the Cardinals not making the playoffs. That's right. the best case yeah. scenario, especially if which Nolan is what's happening right now. And gets paid more by somebody else, which I don't think he will. But, I don't think um, he will, but yeah, he sure could, and that's funny. funny. It's pretty yeah. damn funny. Like watching the and just like watching Cardinals Twitter melt down every night is kind of hilarious. And like our our good buddy from many years ago, God bless him. But watching hometown guy Benjamin Hockman have to deal with those people, like it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, like it's they're they're just uh, they're monstrous when uh, they do not get the birthright of winning the national league central and like they haven't even been in that race like they're 14 and a half back of the brewers um they have not been in that race this year hardly at all no they have not they have a minus 24 run differential the brewers are that much better than they are that is true brewers have a plus 116 run differential which is by far the best in that division but for comparison's sake the los angeles dodgers have the best run differential in baseball at plus 224 nobody else is better than plus 180 and that's the Rays. Yeah. insane that's crazy insane. and they're in second place yeah and pretty much and have been for pretty much the entire season yeah um yeah they spent that one day even for first place uh over the weekend and that was the first time that they had been in first place since the end of april i think yeah amazing uh <laughs> all right let's do a couple more ask pdbs and then we have one very special commercial roast of course uh, see, uh, from uh, Mark at, at CO Rocks 2, what is the greatest sitcom of all time? I mean, it's Seinfeld. I'm, I assume that's your answer, yes. Um, but uh, the the thing that no, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stick with it. It's it's Seinfeld. I will say Seinfeld is not aging great. Um, it the humor still ages great, but ever since somebody said to me, 
the plot of every Seinfeld episode would not exist. Can we fix with a cell phone? In the world of cell phones, which is really what you could say about basically anything that was ever created prior to the invention of cell phones. But it does now, like, I always think to myself, if I have kids someday and, like, when they're teenagers, I try to get them into Seinfeld, they're going to be like, what is this old man show? It'd be like watching I Love Lucy. Right, exactly. Like, like uh, not really into Leave it to Beaver, Dad. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, What's your answer for that? uh, Scrubs, for sure. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm a huge Bill Lawrence guy. So like seeing everybody flip out over Ted Lasso now, it's my favorite right. thing because Bill, right. like I, I'm a huge Bill Lawrence guy, have been forever. Um, and just seeing people who haven't like known they've watched Bill Lawrence shows or haven't watched Bill Lawrence shows before watching Ted Lasso for the first time. And then being so angry that the season two is not as happy go lucky as season one. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. You guys have no idea what you're in for. It's King wonderful. King of the hipsters, Anthony Masterson. Sorry. I've been into this guy since before. You guys didn't even know who this guy was. Had to be done. I've been in. <laughs> um, yeah, Ted. I think Ted Lasso is, is totally fine this year. Everybody's it's, it's, freaking out yeah, about it. I think it's yeah, totally no, fine this year. They're very stupid. I do like, think Ted Lasso is a perfectly American thing in that, like, yeah. it was a perfect one season show, but because uh, a company made money off of it, they're like, all right, time to run this into the ground, which thankfully it hasn't done it yet. But, like, I feel like Ted Lasso eventually is going to go nine seasons and they're going to win the Premier League some year, despite the fact that the entire premise of the show is nonsensical and would never happen in reality. Uh, yeah. But it's just delightful. It's so charming. Yeah. Well, and also the fact that after season one, they got two more seasons, which is very right. rare in television right. now. So you you can actually play a long character arc yeah, over can, a two season span if you can need to, which is what they're doing out. right now. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm with you. Um, yeah. This is this is a great one from uh, our good buddy and the uh, the orchestrator of the live PDP in July, Brad Galley at Bradical Galley on Twitter. Uh, this is a tremendous question. It's one I actually thought about since he asked it yesterday. Uh, if you had one minute in a room with Dick Monfort, what would you actually say to him? Not everything that you want to say, but if you were really in a room with Mr. Sent from my iPad himself, what would you tell him? I would ask him what's like, what is so fun about baseball for him? What is your favorite thing about baseball that you actually enjoy? That is a great answer. That's a great answer. And honestly, I have no idea what his answer to that would be, because I don't think that he does it from a point of, oh, I love baseball. I love this team. I want to see them be successful. I love our fans. I love whatever. Like, I think those are all just um, check marks on a to do list uh, for press releases and for public statements. I don't think that's actually a feeling in that front office. Yes. What is your like? What is your favorite thing about the Colorado Rockies? Right. That's Dick Montfort. That. Right. Right. That's a very good. That's a very good answer to that. Um. Huh. Yeah. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Nice work. All right. Well, if yeah. you want to do a nice transition here, uh, this is from our our friend Sean Marshall and at an ode to maybe. Uh, if COVID, Afghanistan, and anti-vaxxers weren't <laughs> enough, why are we also being punished by this new Applebee's commercial? And that segues us perfectly into this edition of the PDP Commercial Rose of the Week. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Shaving has been difficult for me. It's a daunting task. A daunting task, a daunting says task. man. Knowing who we are is hard. It's hard. Eliminate who you are not first. And you're going to find yourself where you need to be. I want someone to walk out on Christmas morning and see a bow on a 91 Corolla. Five dollars for two Whopper sandwiches. Let me get one of those grilled stuffed burrito sandwiches. Can, can I get a double double sandwich if I'm in and out? You should consider making a big deal about it. Bigger? I said bigger. What the hell are you talking about in this entire commercial? It has that fence in the middle. It's the PDP's commercial roast of the week. Boy, howdy, do we have a real <laughs> doozy for you on this week's edition of the PDP Commercial Roast of the Week. Um, when did you first see this tremendous steaming pile of shit from Apple? Yeah, it had We're going to play been... it here in a second. So if you all want to take the time to fast forward and skip over it because it makes you want to uh, blast yourself into the surface of the sun, yeah. uh, we will understand. But when did, you, when did you first hear this tremendous well, It had to have been during some kind of sporting thing. And it's almost exclusively on the ESPN family, ABC family of networks. So it had to have been like early August. I was in mid-August, maybe. Okay. Um, it is now September 8th. I feel like, yeah, similarly, I feel like the commercial we are about to play has been on television for a month. I feel like I have seen it eight hundred thousand times already it might be the worst commercial of all time it really might like this really this is an ins- this is a first ballot shitty commercial hall of famer yes. um and kids brace yourselves because we're gonna play this audio and it's the worst goddamn thing i've ever heard hey, hey, hey. yeah we fancy like applebee's on a date night Got that Bourbon Street stay with the Oreo shake and some whipped cream on the top two. Two straws, one check, girl, I got you. Bougie like Natty in the styrofoam. Squeaky squeaking in the truck bed all the way home. Some Alabama jamma, she my Dixie land the light. That's how we do, how we do. Fancy like. You and I have done a uh, a pretty good job over the last several, I guess, weeks, months uh, of, I feel like we uh, generally are able to tag each other like on Twitter in commercials that we eventually want to roast. Um, and you, you tagged me in this one last week, and all I could do was create a gif of Moses lack from that uh, Simpsons episode where he opens uncle Mo's family feedback and he's getting yeah. yelled at by all the customers and his eye is just twitching because he's getting ready to explode at a little girl who tells him that her sodi is too cold. Um, yeah. That is what this commercial makes me feel. Uh, I have almost never hated anything in the course of human events the way I hate this commercial and therefore the way I hate the people in this commercial, the way I hate the, uh, the artist behind this song, uh, and the way I hate the ad agency who came up with it. I hate it. So I definitely went through like stages of grief 
with this commercial. <laughs> like I, I heard it for the first time, and I was like, boy, I hated that. I think we were sitting on the couch watching TV, and it came on, and we heard it in the background. And at the end of it, it was like quiet. And I think I just said it out loud, well, I hated that. And then it was like, oh, <laughs> that'll be, it'll go away. It won't come it won't come back. And then I kept seeing it and seeing it, seeing it, and seeing it. And then I kept like thinking about it being like, okay, so Applebee's made a commercial like about with like a song for them, whatever, like Thank that's you! interesting. And I was Thank like, Oh, that's, I was, I was like, well, that. that's, that's dumb, but whatever. And then I heard the second part of the song and I was like, cause they're showing like, they're talking about the stakes and the shakes and stuff. And they're like showing the stakes and the oh, shakes. I have, and, then I the so second, and then the second line is about drinking Natty light. And I'm like, well, they're not showing Natty light in the commercial. And then I like, I was just doing the dishes and like, I actually never noticed, like there's another line in there about drinking Natty light. Yeah. Like I think Nat, I'm so blind Natty in the styrofoam. Rage. Like, yeah. Oh like, God. I did so not even realize. And, and so like that one's a slow burn because I'm thinking about it. And then like, I was like, but they're not showing them drinking Natty Light. Like, so I think I, I dropped it in my mind. I dropped a dish on the ground and it shattered into a thousand pieces. And I was like, somebody wrote that song. And that's an actual song that somebody wrote. And they weren't, and they were probably doing it very cynically, trying that to get exactly it into an Apple's commercial. Thought. Exactly my but, thought. <laughs> but then, they, but then they all wrote other, like other words around that song. Yep. And then I I went and I was like I have to know more about this I have yep. to know what why I'm crying in waking up like screaming in my sleep right and I found that this guy uh, Walker Hayes Walker Hayes wrote a name wrote the song seriously very seriously this is a very earnest song from this guy earnest song about how much he loves Applebee's because he had a quote that they put into the press release about it. And I don't care if it's a fake quote, if it's attributed I'm to your name. I'm you're reading this because you I was going to read it if you didn't. For years, years, <laughs> my wife Lainey and I have been regulars at Applebee's for date night, and I've always wanted to write a song about it. <laughs> oh, my God. I have, all for years, my <laughs> for wife years. Lainey and I have been regulars at Applebee's for date night. That sounds like a tweet that you would expect to see as one of those, um, the perfectly like weird uh, son named things um, from Rob Delaney. You know, like it, yeah. it feels right. like, Rob Delaney would follow that up with my sons Brecken and Madden uh, were very upset that they couldn't get a blooming onion because I told them that that's actually an outback. Like that's how I expect for years. My wife Lainey and I have been regulars at Applebee's for date night. That's how I expect that sentence to end. Tell the saddest story you can in 15 words. Yeah, but that really okay. So we had the exact same. This is why you and I have been friends through our <laughs> hatred of commercials for twelve years because that was my exact thought. Was like I hate that Applebee's came up with this like terrible. Um, I wish there and maybe there is. This is whatever this genre of music is. It is the music genre that I hate more than anything on earth. It's like the like bro, bro country. I mean, yeah, it's like the yeah. very proud. Um, rednecky rip off hip hop kind of country pop 
garbage like this. And this is like all country to me now. Like I, yes. I have always hated country music. Every country song on earth sounds like this to me now. And right. it's just this, like when you are a person who openly brags about your love of Applebee's uh, and you have inspired like millions of people to do TikTok dance videos because of their love of Applebee's. Like this is how we ended up with Donald Trump as president. Like I, I absolutely <laughs> do not care. Okay. I do not care that I sound like a coastal elite <laughs> when it comes to talking about this commercial. I don't Me care either. at all. Not yeah. at all. Um, there are, I also have several issues with, with the, the lyrics themselves. Um, he says, quote, we fancy like Applebee's on a date night. So there's like the weird hip hop crossover. Uh, we fancy. Then um, got that Bourbon Street steak with the Oreo shake. Get some whipped cream on the top, too. Uh, brother, I think the next move for you should probably be the ER because you're going to die <laughs> from anaphylactic shock. Well, but again, but that is, you know, that's OK. Again, like, that's, the one, the, that's the diet of those folks. One of the one things I'm most pissed about is that Applebee's is trying to take the piss out of us because yeah. because Applebee's is a shit chain. And now they're trying to be like, hey, but look, guys, we're funny. We, well, we know we suck, but we're still right. going right. to you're still going to come here. It's it's but, they're like they're, they're the Dick Monfortization of the Rocky of Applebee's <laughs> right now. It's that was macaroni grill, man. How dare you? Oh. <laughs> that was his big ownership stake. The, the thing that I just do not is Applebee's genuinely stuns me in the fact that it still exists. Like I in high school, I remember going um, after like a high school football game or something. One time I remember going with my high school girlfriend at the time and a couple of my friends and their girlfriends. And we all went to Applebee's, you know, we're like 16 years old. We all went to Applebee's. And you remember like when you first start having those thoughts of like, it's okay to not like certain things in the world. I remember my mom said to me one time when I was a kid, I like went out to a movie, came home with my friends. My mom was like, how's the movie? And I was like, oh, it was good. And my mom was like, I don't think I've ever heard you describe a movie as anything other than good. And I realized like, <laughs> oh, there are actually probably bad movies out there. That's yeah. true. Applebee's was the first place that I remember thinking to myself like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> this food is terrible. And that was like 20 years ago and the fact that applebee's is still around to me is like genuinely inexplicable like applebee's I've, can yeah. only be a front for something else because there is I've, no way that people are showing up at applebee's and actually going there on date night and yet apparently that's a thing yeah. can you yeah. imagine living in a place where the date where night option to. is applebee's yes dude we lived in myrtle beach man like yeah, yeah i can't imagine had, like, that you know abuelos <laughs> And Mr. You, you, Fish, and uh, and you could, and, yeah, you know, some of those places. Um, you could, but at the same time, like, no, it really, I do a remember lot of like went to road, Applebee's. road trips to Kinston. I do remember Applebee's was like the only non fast food place, you know, yeah, um, Woodbridge, Virginia, where I lived the year before. Yeah, that's a very similar place like that. I think those, I've been to an Applebee's once in the last like since high school, probably, and it was in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Oh. I was there with a, on a trip for Long Beach State, we had played uh, UTEP. Or we started, uh, New Mexico State that night, New Mexico yeah. State. And <laughs> we had, were out after the game. Uh, a friend and I were out drinking at some places, and we got back to the hotel. It was Applebee's was across the street, and it was the only place still open with a bar until 2 a.m. in Las yep. Cruces, New Mexico. So I was yep. like, well, <laughs> guess we're sticking here for a while. That Don't remember much the, of the next, the rest of the night. 
the more I think about it now, the more I assume that Applebee's is fully propped up and supported by two legions of people. One, the people who like this song and this song is like, you could pretty much encapsulate their entire lives with the sound of this song, you know, you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Uh, I, I, and, I grew up in Powell, the, Wyoming. I totally understand that. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I got it. Like a, yeah. like a whole lot of people in Lauren Bobert's district. Um, the other people I'm pretty sure are just like coaches and support staff and media people for like college and minor league road trips. Like I think yeah. those are the only groups of people who attended Applebee's. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going into that, uh, that Applebee's at, let's just say 11:30 in Las Cruces, New Mexico and it was pretty packed and the bar was full and it was mostly like 20 somethings oh it's uh this is i also feel like this commercial has gotten us maybe the most unprompted submissions from people who are like, yeah, oh my like, God, can you please talk about this, this fucking Applebee's commercial? <laughs> Have you seen this commercial? I'm pretty sure. I don't think that we've ever gotten one that is quite as much uh, solicited uh, as this one. It is, wow. Wow. Yeah. This this commercial. I, I apologize <sighs> to all of you for um, subjecting you to it. But it really, yeah, like, it just genuinely be, stuns yeah. me that we live in a world where Applebee's survived and Bennigan's didn't. Like Bennigan's yeah, right. was terrible too, but Bennigan's was like on the terrible scale. Bennigan's was like a six. Applebee's is like a forty-five on a one to ten. It's t- everything about Applebee's is Uncle Mo's family feed bag, but without like the lovable characters or the good food. Yeah, Which I remember the first movie I, I, I really realized that I hated was A Walk to Remember. Remember that Ooh, one? Yeah, Mandy Moore. I think I yeah. walked out of that being like, "Hey, that movie sucked." Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's a very good one. Um, I I think this was the same year, maybe a year earlier, which would actually be fitting. Ah, this is perfectly fitting. That means this happened to us at the exact same age because you were a year younger than I am. A walk to remember was in 2002. The first movie that I remember just hating was Summer Catch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had a girlfriend who made me watch Summer Catch, and uh, it made me so angry with how bad it was. Uh, yeah, that was, that was definitely, uh, that was was definitely one of my early ones. I remember Um, being, being mad at him for not finishing his no hitter. Yeah. I could be like, well, why would he not finish his no hitter? He he could have done both things. I think I like yelled out. We're like sitting in, you know, in my, my high school girlfriend's house watching. I think I yelled out like no baseball player would do this. It gets like pitching into Cape Cod, like throwing a no hitter. And he's like, I got to go talk to Jessica Biel, man. Uh, And also it's Freddie Prince. He could have done both. I don't understand. Exactly. (laughs) Oh God. It was awful. Um, And yet I would watch summer catch every day for the rest of my life if it meant that I did not ever have to see that Applebee's commercial again. Correct. (laughs) All right. I think that's going to do it. We're going to wrap this one up. Um, But uh, a big thanks to all of you for, uh, for tuning in and continuing to stay invested in uh, which commercials we are going to roast on our next episode. This is September 8th. So we'll probably talk to you again, uh, like in March and (laughs) no, we'll, we'll talk to you once. We'll talk to you again once they, we can wrap up this season. And once they win yeah. 73 games, once they, once they do their GM search 
and I'm doing air quotes over here, and they hire Bill Schmidt the day after the season's over. Um, yes. We'll, we'll yeah. do that. It'll be like, you know, New Mexico basketball was going through that whole gigantic search, and then Richard Pitino ended up on the market, and they hired him five minutes later. Um, right. That'll be that'll be it for the for the Rockies. It'll be great. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you guys sometime soon. Um, Deco, we got Bronco stuff coming out soon. So be on the lookout. DecoApparelCo.com. I just use this podcast to promote my other side business. And, um, okay, that's all. He's Anthony. I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Love you! Bye! Bye!